the Equilibrium podcast episode one. Um, there is only two of us here today, even though there's supposed to be four, although two of them cannot make it today, sadly. <laughs> but we will be introducing ourselves very shortly. But we are so excited to talk to you guys about some stuff here today, which will be some very sensitive content um, to some of you guys. But please stay and listen to us. Um, I am Rosie. And I'm Beth. And the two people are missing today is Sam and Ian. But hopefully they'll join us on the next podcast. So, Beth, do you want to introduce them what our subject is today? So, today we will be talking about a really hot topic here in Northern Ireland. Um, it is the introduction or the amendment of the abortion laws that will be coming into effect from the 21st of October 2019 if our MLAs do not sit. So me and Beth have actually been talking about this for quite a while about the abortion uh, being introduced in Northern Ireland and we feel that it's a very important thing to discuss um, and there's many different opinions from all of us on this kind of thing in Northern Ireland because obviously this abortion act is obviously getting introduced. So it'll be introduced in March 2020, um, right. but the, there's an upcoming 10-minute rule bill. So this is basically, um, so it's a bill, it's not to change the law, but it's used for publicity on an issue. And uh, so we believe on this occasion, the pro-abortion MPs are testing the ground to see which MPs will vote them will vote with them or against them on this issue. So in order to change the law, um, amendments would need to be made and the amendments would be made and implemented in March 2020. So there's a lot of debate from both sides of the argument to and from and we appreciate that there are valid concerns and valid viewpoints from, from each side. But I think the only thing that we uh, are slightly concerned about is a lot of members of the public in Northern Ireland are not exactly sure 100% of what is actually going to be brought into law in Northern Ireland. for obviously the unborn child and the mother. 
Section 59 is also, um, they're wanting to repeal this. And this means that, uh, as the law stands, anyone who supplies drugs or instruments to be unlawfully used to procure abortion is guilty of an offence. And then section 60, anyone who secretly disposes of a child who has died before, at, or after birth is guilty of an offence. Now, you know, I feel like we can see that there are some issues if these are just repealed and nothing is given to, uh, in place of these. So, um, there are a couple of points that we'll go through and we'll just talk about them. We'll talk about what the legislation says and then, you know, we'll maybe try and have a discussion on whether there are other options. As we know that people who campaign for the, the pro-life side uh, feel as though abortion is a very social issue and it shouldn't really be considered a healthcare issue as you know we live in a western society where we have access to information we have access to great medical care and this should provide us with other options other than abortion as a lot of people do feel that it's very final those on the pro-life side truly believe that an abortion takes away a life that is there from conception. Now the law as it stands under, so um, MPs and peers have voted directly to repeal sections 58 and 59 of the Offences Against the Person Act in Northern Ireland. Repealing this legislation will mean the only legal protection for unborn children remaining would be the Criminal Justice Act, Northern Ireland, 1945. Now this act only applies from 28 weeks gestation. So this would mean that abortion would be available on demand up to 20 we 28 weeks, which is seven months gestation. In other words, prior to 28 weeks, there will be no law on abortion. And this will leave Northern Ireland with the most extreme abortion regime in Europe and one of the most extreme abortion regimes in the world. So it's important to remember that at 28 weeks, babies are perfectly formed and more and more babies born far earlier are surviving. For babies born at 24 weeks, there is now a 60% survival rate and 27 weeks, it's 89%. So a 28-week on-demand for any reason abortion regime is very far out of line with any previous proposals in Northern Ireland, the most recent of which was to introduce abortion only for babies with life-limiting disabilities. Not only is it way out of line with where Northern Ireland has come in the past, in the past proposed change, it actually goes further than where most other European countries sit on the issue and draw the line. The current median time limit for most abortions across EU countries is 12 weeks. And similarly, across the border in the Republic of Ireland, the post-referendum abortion is restricted in most cases to 12 weeks gestation. Now I feel that, you know, seven months and 12 weeks, that's a big there's a big difference. That's a big difference. And you'd be surprised that after 12 weeks, a child, a baby, that a fetus, um, is actually ready to develop their nervous system. Although there's not actually
and around to see if it actually causes any sort of pain to the child. But still, it's the fact that this child is still human, even though it's classified as non-human, because it's, it's not because weeks. it's until 28 weeks until it's a viable fe fetus, which is pretty disturbing. Yeah, I feel that's pretty disturbing, just because it's so late. And anyone who's... Uh, been pregnant, had a baby, has been able to feel kicks. You can yes. see the heartbeat. The heartbeat can be detected. Um, even at six weeks, the heartbeat can. But don't be you think when the heart is detected, that that child is basically human? Yes, a lot of people believe that. Um, well, there's there's two camps. There's well, there's three camps. The first camp would be um, a very Christian and religious view. So we'll talk about a religious view also. Um, they feel that conception is when uh, life begins. Um, we have in law, so this this has nothing to do with religion, in law, uh, 28 weeks is viable. And there are those in the third camp who feel uh, that life is only viable once the baby has been born as and has entered the world. Mm -hmm. But then, I mean, even this uh, abortion regime that could be imposed on us, if babies are born after or during a failed attempted abortion, they there is no legislation protecting them and uh, there's no obligation for medical staff to to help them or save their lives. So they're just basically laying there to die. Yeah, so basically they are just left on the table Two facts. <laughs> to, to die. Yeah. And yeah, you know, that's a, a harsh reality mm -hmm. of what is going on. Um, another issue with uh, this new legislation is that abortions could be performed almost anywhere, including schools and mobile abortion clinics. So in England and Wales, the Abortion Act 1967 currently restricts abortion to hospitals or places approved by the Secretary of State. This means that abortions are available in a limited number of locations. Without this legal, legal safeguard, there would be no legislation in Northern Ireland governing where an abortion can be performed before 28 weeks. So in practice, it would definitely be possible that... Um, Manual vacuum aspiration abortions could be performed in school nurse clinics. Abortion pills could be handed out by school nurses to pregnant girls, all obviously underage, under the age of 18. Uh, abortions could be available in literally thousands of locations in communities across Northern Ireland, including sexual health clinics, all GP surgeries, school nurse clinics, pharmacies, and university health clinics. This could also include abortions being available in mobile abortion clinics. Now, I feel that this could open up um, a range of different abilities to abuse this law. I mean, you know, I feel it's very disturbing. So you're saying that, that they're like, obviously, some, because it's underage girls, they can go out in there without parental consent. Yeah. And being unaware of yeah. the situation they're in. Uh-huh. And as a parent myself, I think I would find it very distressing to think that there's a possibility that my child could go and uh, get these pills or have an abortion without my knowledge, without my consent. 
um, you know, this would leave children in a very vulnerable position. Um, we have, we, we know that uh, it's, it's hard being a teenager. We do know that, you know, the social aspect of it is sometimes people do make mistakes, but do we really feel that a solution to this would be to drive the secrecy even more underground by allowing 13, 14, 15 year olds to go and, you know, sort this problem out themselves. I, I don't think it's fair. Which has a very strong mental health effect on them as well. Precisely. It opens up the doors to all kinds of mental health issues, which may not be um, there before the, the crisis pregnancy, but would definitely be there after. Also, as you were mentioning there about the abuse. Yeah, precisely. It would also leave uh, the door open for abusers. I mean, there have been cases in England in um, March 2018. There have been cases where men have been convicted of, of rape and uh, abuse of school children. But these children, there was no physical evidence of the abuse because these children were then forced by their abusers to have an abortion. And if we have up to 28 weeks, no questions asked abortions, that could open the door to all kinds of abusers, people close to the family, people not close to the family, abusing a child, getting them pregnant, and then taking them themselves without the parents' knowledge yes. to get an abortion and no one would be any the wiser. Mm -hmm. Abortionists wouldn't be asking the questions. No. The children would be under duress, so they mm -hmm. wouldn't be volunteering the information that they're being abused. And the abuser will just be able to carry on because there are no consequences yes. for their actions. So, you know, this is just something that is deeply, deeply disturbing and should be really, really considered and really looked at before uh, an act goes through that could potentially allow a cloak to, to hide these predators. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This also falls on rape victims as well. Rape victims as well, because we know that rape is a very... It's an opportunist crime. Yes. You know, it's a lot of the time it is not premeditated. Uh, sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. Yes. So if it's not premeditated, then, you know, things like contraception or preventative, pre preventing pregnancy isn't going to be thought about. Mm -hmm. So obviously that's going to be a possible outcome is that the victim is becomes pregnant. And it's not fair. And it's not fair for both parties. I mean, you know, a lot of people who are pro-life, they're not just pro-life for the mother, for the child, they're pro-life for the mother and the child. You know, and we, we feel that being pro-life for both parties and offering protection for both parties, um, we feel very strongly that people who are rapists should be held accountable. And maybe we should look at our laws and look at these blankets that can cover these activities mm -hmm. and allow rapists to get away with, with what they're doing. Mm -hmm. You know, I've, 
we really, really need to open up the discussion on rape culture in yes. this day and age. It's very important. We've actually, this is definitely like introduced as well into schools, so sexual education. I did look it up and say, it said um, that that they have to put it into a specific criteria in order for a kid's development, their development stage in primary schools. But it's known fact already that only one set of education is not going to be enough for them to withhold this information yeah, to, to keep it yeah to keep it going on to whether in secondary school as well as adults as well um there's not and there's not that support system that there is needed mm-hmm. to prevent all this from happening because the stem of the problem is we really... need to open the door on discussions to do with sexual education in our schools in northern ireland we don't have a great amount of sex education. We all know this. We've all been through the school system here. And, um, you know, my personal experience was in biology and you're, you're just told the facts of re- the reproduction organs, the reproduction system. Although, like, a lot of people are concerned that it'll bring on, there's to bring on sexual activity in, you know, because they're so young. Mm-hmm, but a valid point. But it is not only doing that, but it's also allowing them to the awareness of contraception use. Yeah, yes, because contraception is very taboo. Mm-hmm. You know, sex is very taboo, um, and I feel that parents need to talk openly with their children about these subjects in order to prevent. Because we all know that prevention is far better than any cure or any. Uh, medical procedure that may be required just due to to ignorance. Yeah, but it saves all this kind of hassle then, mm-hmm. and then later on in the future of mm-hmm. people being raped, uh, mm-hmm. a child being basically. Mm-hmm. And we shouldn't just focus on the girls. We should also focus on on the boys. Yes. You know, we need to teach our boys that no means no. Yes. And there isn't, you know, a, oh, well, maybe, you know, if I just keep pestering or I keep trying or if she has a couple more drinks, then, you know, she'll change her mind. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, because we all know that unprotected sex leads to pregnancies. Sometimes pregnancies are wanted. Sometimes pregnancies are unwanted. Mm-hmm. And the focus needs to be on how we prevent unwanted pregnancies before they happen. Yes. We need to look at the stem of the problem and not just be, you know, the cleanup crew afterwards. Um, you know, because what kind of message does this send out to our young people? It sends out the message that, oh, it's okay. You know, you can be liberal with your body. Yeah. You can have fun. And I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. I firmly believe that um, sex can be an activity for adults but just like drinking it's an yeah. activity for adults and when you're drinking you must be responsible yeah therefore if you want to engage in sexual activities then you need to be responsible hmm. i also wanted to bring in like um because i was uh, looking at last night actually into the last year's statistics in 2018 in the england and wales obviously because they haven't brought it into Northern Ireland yet mm-hmm. but there is some statistics as well in Northern Ireland because obviously we understand some people have gone through this they ended up flying overseas mm-hmm. and getting an abortion and they actually were funded there actually uh, so they, they can't get done for it yeah. by, um, by the UK law 
Although it just shows that how <clears throat> I don't really want to use this word, but how irresponsible some people can be. Yeah, some people can be really irresponsible. You know, um, I think that we have to try and have systems in place within any laws or orders that relate to abortion that can distinguish between those who are using it for contraception yeah. and those who truly need it. It's just like people, I just like, it's just like people have just lost their human compassion to one another. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, I like seen that the most highest rating of abortions is in cities. Mm-hmm. And it's already shown, in fact, that cities have lost touch with community. Yeah. And support, you know, supporting one another. So they've become more or less. Everyone's very isolated. Everyone's yes. very in their own box. Everybody minds their own business. Yeah. And there isn't that um, support system. You know, they say it takes a village to raise a child. Yes. And there are people who um, find themselves in crisis par- pregnancies and they don't have the village behind them because they live such isolated lives where, you know, people don't support each other. Yeah. It's looked down upon to depend on others. But here in Northern Ireland, we are behind and we do still have that sense of community. Yes. And we do still have that sense of um, compassion for our neighbour, for those we meet in the street. You know, it's said all over the world that, you know, the Northern Irish are well known for their hospitality that shows that we are (laughs) are, you know really hospitable people we think of others we value our community we value other people and I think that it's such a shame that we are now putting it into law that we shouldn't value Human human life and human life if it's not valued it's you know it, it leads to a destructive path and a downwards a downward spiral yeah i mean like today especially um since that they're even aborting a child for for being having down syndrome like for having just down syndrome yeah so that was my uh, my next point as well as sex selective abortion yes. because obviously if there's no reasons needed to be given up to 28 weeks mm-hmm. then it, it gives people the freedom to for any reason that they feel is important yes um, go and end the pregnancy yes so the first point is sex selective abortion I mean we in Northern Ireland and in a Western country have looked at other countries, for example, India. We've looked at India and we know that they abort babies or kill children because they're female. Mm-hmm. And we've always thought that this was wrong. We couldn't get our head around this concept. But then why would we be voting in well, actually, we're not even voting it in. That's another point. Is we're yeah. not even voting it in. Um, it makes a complete mockery of the de- of our devolved go- of our devolved government because yeah. Westminster, the mainland, is deciding for us. We, the Northern Irish people, aren't actually deciding this. No, and we don't even have 
uh, any rights to put up any barriers because we've been told 23rd of October if Parliament doesn't sit then this, they're passing this then, then they're passing this um, so that, that's another point yeah. but back to sex selection and uh, disability yeah. selection so disability selective abortion of babies with Down syndrome cleft lip and clubfoot will be introduced to Northern Ireland. So, you know, as I've said before, if there's no law on abortion prior to 28 weeks, this will legalise disability selective abortion. Mm -hmm. So in England and Wales, where abortion is available up until birth, if a baby has a disability, people with disabilities are unjustly and disproportionately targeted by abortion legislation. The latest available figures show that 90% of children diagnosed with Down syndrome before birth are aborted in England and Wales. Northern Ireland has a very different approach. Disability selective abortion for Down syndrome is not permitted. And there is a culture welcoming and supporting people with this disability rather than eliminating them. And they're aware of this actually, people with Down syndrome. Uh -huh. They are really like much aware of what is being said about their disability. And anyone with a disability, I mean, you know, anyone with cleft lip, yeah. how do you, does one think that they does feel? Basically discriminating. It's just discriminating again. because yeah. people are not perfect. Mm. And you know, that reminds me a lot of Hitler's regime. Extermination of those who did he did not see as perfect. Yes. You know, an entire country was brainwashed into thinking that there's a certain way that, that people need to look. There's a certain way that people need to be. Mm -hmm. And a certain ethnicity is better than other ethnicities. And, you know, I thought, well, I would like to think that we've come a long way from that. Yeah. And that we don't, dis we don't discriminate based on religion, gender, disability, background. Mm. I mean, you know, what's next? eye colour, you know, we'll choose. <laughs> it just opens the door for, you know, us to go into a darker place than, a darker road than we're already heading. Yes. Another thing I really want to talk about is the methods that are used to terminate pregnancies. Mm -hmm. Because this is one thing that uh, people who are on the, the pro-choice camp yeah. don't really like to to talk about. No. There's a film out at the moment, we'll not mention its name, um, but I'm sure many of you listening will be aware yes. of, of which film this is coming yes. out. And, um, or maybe you won't be aware because there is actually a lot of no. censorship. And the thing about that, because this film has obviously come out, there has been other films that actually has shown and promoted Mm -hmm. Rape. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. Uh -huh. So why would we have these on our screens? Why would we pay? So why is this other film that is out about abortion itself actually is being censored and not allowed to be shown on? Mm -hmm. Especially as it's based on a true story. Yes. It's uh, factually accurate. Um, so why would? It's pretty much just shows. It does show that there is censorship, mm -hmm. and there's a very um, the the media leans very much towards the the pro-choice side of things but doesn't give the people the, all of the facts. No. It's just a very rose-tinted view 
on and it's not like it's being targeted to those who have had had abortions I mean they're victims themselves yeah precisely you know they're suffering as well but at the end of the day this all could be prevented yeah it could be prevented and we have the knowledge we've got the medical yeah we even have have other options I would like to talk about um, options that so if we are well aware that there are women who find themselves in the crisis pregnancy situation. We are well aware that there are people for all sorts of, not medical reasons, mm. but for social reasons, um, can't or don't want to raise a child. Whether this be, this is um, their financial situation, I mean, reasons given for not wanting to continue with the pregnancy, uh, fi- financial, the, the mother can't support, already has children that they're supporting, can't afford another one. And, you know, I mean, what's done is done. We need to find a resolution and a resolution that doesn't, that's not destructive and not detrimental to both parties, the child, the unborn child and the mother. Yeah. And it has been proven that mental health is massively affected mm. after an abortion. Some mothers think about that child till the day that they die. Yeah, and I mean, you know, pro-choice people, pro, uh, sorry, pro-life parties don't want them to think about that. Mm. They also don't want to force anyone to raise a child that they can't raise. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all find ourselves in positions where we need help. Yes. And we're just saying that there are other options other than ending a life. Mm-hmm. One of the main options is adoption. I mean, I know a lot of people who have been adopted. And with this bill coming in, it, it directly offends them because basically as a society... We're saying, you know, your life is so insignificant, we would rather end it than give you an opportunity, another yeah. opportunity. I mean, you know, with rape victims, yeah. obviously a lot of people would be very sympathetic. and so Of course. With, because it's a horrendous thing to have to happen to anybody. Yeah. It's absolutely horrendous. But, I mean, two wrongs don't make a right. No. You know, the wrong act was done by the perpetrator, the rapist, who I feel very strongly should be made and held accountable for their actions. Yes. And we should really look into that route of dealing with this rape culture. But, you know, instead of going through for other options for the women, instead of, well... Yeah, instead of going through a medical procedure, which can actually lead a woman to um, have problems conceiving in the future if uh, an abortion is done, yeah, um, why would there not be an option, a third option, whereby the child is born? I know that it's probably you know an inconvenience. But should we end a life based on inconvenience? Mm. There are lots of people in this world who give up so much yeah. for the greater good. Yes. They give up so much 
for the sake of another person to have an opportunity at life. Yeah. I mean, I know myself and you know yourself, there's a lot of people that's gone through IVF treatment and they have tried and tried. Mm-hmm. And hearing hearing all these things about abortion, it affects them too, mm-hmm. because obviously they can't have children. They can't have their children and they feel that, you know, so, I mean, all this is really just upsetting quite a lot of people actually not just the people who want the abortion but also those who are affected by the for not having kids and they want kids mm-hmm. and the, obviously i can understand the last resort they want to do is adopt mm-hmm. but i think adoption is a very good thing mm-hmm. because adoption is amazing yes and would you rather um make a good situation out of a bad situation yeah. there can be a light at the end of the tunnel of course i mean i think that it would but there's not enough of that mental support yeah. before, prior, they make that decision that they want that abortion. There's no support saying, oh, there's this option. Mm-hmm. You have this option. You have this option. Mm-hmm. And from speaking to adopted mothers, people who've been adopted, I mean, there's just such a great a gratefulness of the birth mother's selflessness to carry the child to term have the baby and be able to hand it to a couple who will love that child, will provide for that child, will give that child opportunities. Yeah. And for the main reasons is the adoptive couple can't have their own children. So that's, you know, it's another option. Yeah. That I feel people aren't told about, people aren't given all of the tools that they need in order to make a well-informed decision. Mm-hmm. So talking about um, health risks, this new law will decriminalize the act of abortion. It will make it, um, so it's in this proposed bill, it's clear that it would be legal for a pregnant woman to take abortion pills at any stage, anywhere, to induce an abortion. The current law specifies that medical abortions must take place in an approved setting. And abortion lobbyists have long demanded that the home approved as a setting for a self-administered abortion uh, be brought in. This current bill would take one more step towards a complete demedicalization of the abortion process which endeavours to make the abortion pill as readily available as contraceptive pills. And given given the proposed bill would allow women to self-abort right up to birth, this raises huge concerns about women's health and safety. It's dangerously close to returning to backstreet abortion. There have been cases in 2008, a woman in Dubai she died from excessive bleeding after taking an abortion pill. There have been 22 deaths associated with abortion pills used for medical abortions since 2000. Yeah, and one case of a woman dying from infection yeah, from, from medical infection a- afterwards. Yeah. So being able to take this pill at home, decriminalizing it, demedicalizing it, deregulating it, would open the door for further heartache for the the woman who's in the crisis. She's putting herself at risk as well. She's putting herself at risk 
and she's putting herself at risk to be unable to have more children in the future if that's what she wanted. Yeah. So women suffering complications from home abortions, especially teenagers secretly self-aborting at home, could be putting their lives at risk if they don't receive urgent medical attention. Furthermore, experiencing a home abortion can be traumatizing with no support guaranteed. This is, you know, under the current law, abortions must be approved by two doctors, which provides a safeguarding opportunity to identify cases where um, people are putting themselves at risk Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, it can prevent any medical complications. Yeah. Plus, as well, I think they should really further investigate into why and reasoning why they want to abort the child. Why, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, some people don't want to really give a reason, but it's better giving a reason than, than not giving a reason and also then it being setting the precedent for no reason should be given. Yeah. Because then, once again, you know, doctors would be unable to identify cases of sexual exploitation. Uh, of course. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the proposal to allow women to legally self-abort and not have to see a doctor means women or girls can be coerced into aborting their child to hide their abuser's crime. And that just makes it even harder for them because who's going to be suffering most of their whole life? It's a female. And these cases go in completely unnoticed, you know, gives the missed opportunities to protect vulnerable women and girls. Yeah. You know, for example, there have been cases in Telford, in Newcastle, in Oxford, in Rochdale, Rotherham, of sexual exploitation. Grooming and exploitation by gangs, gangs mm-hmm. of men who are, um, you know, targeting girls as young as 11, luring them from their families to be drugged, beaten, and raped. And, you know, people believe that this is still ongoing, and it could be still ongoing. Yeah. And without regulation, no one's going to be held accountable. No. And there was a, a case where a schoolgirl fell pregnant six times in four years during Britain's worst child abuse scandal. Oh, I heard about that one. This actually. affected up to 1,000 girls for over 40 years. You know, an inv- investigation done um, exposed the horror that sex gangs targeted girls who were in vulnerable positions already. Yeah and uh, forced them to have abortions in order to hide the wrongdoing. Of course, as you mentioned earlier, it's just hiding the abuse. Yeah, it's happening. Abuse, precisely. And it leaves it, uh, you know, really open to, to misuse. So with no legal protection up until 28 weeks, this can open the door for you know, that this would affect women who have lost their babies through assault. Mm-hmm. If it's decriminalized to end the life of a baby up until 28 weeks, mm-hmm. who's, what laws are in place to prosecute anyone, any man, who deliberately induces a miscarriage of yeah. a partner? For whatever, you know, reason that they might have. Well, it says here, by law, it states that an unborn child is classified as non-human. 
Mm-hmm. So basically, a child this destruction is a crime of killing an unborn child, but mm-hmm. but but it's only when it's a viable fetus. Only after when it's alive, when it's born. Yeah. So that child, say, there was a case actually of uh, a, a young boy beating his girlfriend, punching her in the stomach. She was actually seven months pregnant so she was actually able to give birth to that child and luckily the child survived mm-hmm. but even at under this law even at 28 weeks yeah. if she did give, give birth mm-hmm. there would be no obligation for the medical staff to save that baby's life no there wouldn't be you know which is unfair which is terribly unfair yeah but so the, at the end of the day she was obviously harmed the unborn child was harmed but luckily enough the child survived but that's how he got prosecuted mm-hmm. because that child was still alive mm-hmm. so this um bill would also lead to legalized partial birth abortions so with no law before 28 weeks as we've said before there'll be no legal restrictions on the types of abortion methods used to abort babies so this could allow for the use of particularly gruesome abortion methods such as intact dilation and extraction abortions also known as partial birth abortions and there's many other controversial methods of abortion so talking about the partial birth abortion so it involves the following an injection of uh, something like potassium chloride may be administrated at the beginning of the procedure yeah. to allow for the softening of the fetal bones during the procedure the fetus is removed in a breech position so now if the baby's skull is too large to fit through the birth canal it's crushed to allow the skull to be removed Decompression of the skull can be accomplished by an incision into the back of it, an incision and suction of the contents, or by using forceps. Now, I mean, that to me sounds pretty, pretty brutal, doesn't it? Yeah, it's pretty brutal. Actually. Pretty brutal. Mm-hmm. You know, and obviously because uh, there isn't any regulation on the the methods of. Uh, used abortionists can use any method that they want and i really feel that you know as much as it's devastating for the unborn child involved Mm -hmm. this is devastating for the mother yeah i mean going through that procedure and seeing that could cause so many mental health issues yeah which would be irreversible yeah and lifelong and life-threatening yeah you know some people if they can't cope they may then go on to take their own life and you know this isn't what people on the the pro-life side want and also no pain relief is given to the babies during abortion well actually uh, they say that there is pain relief the the anesthesia can't say that word, sorry. Anesthesia or anesthetic. Anesthetic, sorry. Uh, anesthetic is given to the child just before they're born. But there is some cases that are obviously those are under illegal clinics who are providing yeah, abortion. Regulated. Yes. Then who's to say that they So there actually is a three percent of unknown of how some of these procedures are taken mm-hmm. and that's scary mm-hmm. there should be no unknown no and this is all not only in the health of the mother as well but also in the health on 
unborn child. And that child could obviously have been born alive, but again, they're just left there. Precisely, and you know, abortion clinics opening up will be able to capitalize on the lack of the current legal safeguards mm -hmm. that, you know, have to be adhered to in England and Wales. And um, just quickly, because in Northern Ireland it will be so extreme, I think that people who are on the pro-life camp think that, um, you know, one of the major problems they have is the fact that the, the law would be so extreme. It's not bringing us, people think that it is bringing us in line with England and Wales, yeah. which it isn't. No. It's uh, surpassing what is acceptable over there. Yeah. And that could just lead us to become, you know, Northern Ireland will become the new capital of abortions. You yeah. Know, people will travel here. And I mean, that probably leads to loads of other pressures on our society. More people coming, using the facilities of the NHS. We're going to have to pay for it in our taxes, support people coming over to get the late-term abortions. Um, I mean, how do people... It just is how, how do we feel about it? You know, we already worry and uh, discuss that we have, we're crippling the NHS system. Yeah. You know, we don't have, there's not enough resources for the amount of people that are already here. Yeah. So why would we then invite yes. more people from other countries to come and use a service that shouldn't be, you know, it, it, sh it shouldn't be as widely available. No. You know, which then yeah. makes us think about the other options, you know, yeah. adoption, uh, fostering, prevention, yeah. sex education, you know, all of these things should be, should definitely be, be looked into. So that's basically the, um, the stem of all this, really, mm -hmm. is prevention. Yeah, prevention. I feel that we should be looking more into the, uh, the causes of crisis pregnancies yeah. and putting our funding into the causes rather than cleaning up the aftermath especially um, with not as many regulations as most people would like. Yeah. You know, we, we do need to protect all life is valuable. Yeah. And um, we need to make sure that the law safeguards those in both positions. Yeah. And also the medical staff performing abortions. Mm -hmm. And we need to make sure that people, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a decision of conscience. People yeah. morally believe one thing or another. Yeah. It's very common. And, you know, people in healthcare here shouldn't be scared of their jobs because they don't want to perform or assist with or have anything to do with abortion. No. And that should be their right. Yes. That should, you know, it comes down as human rights yes, again. Human rights, precisely. Yeah. They should be forced into doing something they don't want to do. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It should be discussed and, you know, things should be presented without any form of hypocrisy mm -hmm. in it. You know, if there's a right for one, there's a right for all. That's what it should be. You know, there can't just be rights to suit certain people in certain situations and yeah. no rights just because it doesn't suit. It's, you know, it's, it's not fair. Well, um, I think this is us finished for today. Thanks, you, thanks for listening to us on this episode of our podcast and hopefully we can hear from you soon. Um, thank you for joining us on this episode on Equal Liberal. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you and stay tuned.